And welcome into another edition of the Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter. Appreciate you joining us on this Friday afternoon, or maybe it's Saturday or Sunday morning where you are right now. Either way, thanks for listening to the 44.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. Joined, as always, uh, by John Paulson. How are we doing, JP? Not bad. As you were talking about, uh, maybe it's Saturday or Sunday, as you know, wherever you are, I was thinking we have some listeners in New Zealand that are a day ahead of us or behind us, or I don't, I don't know how the time zones work, but that would be pretty funny. You're just That's talking insane. about podcast listeners that maybe are listening on Saturday or Sunday, right? Right, exactly. No, not necessarily New <laughs> Zealand. <laughs> but thank you for listening uh, You know, from all over the country if you are tuned in. Tell us about the music, John. We'll dive into, into week seven here. Yeah, I keep a list of, of songs that I want to feature on the pod, and I, my list has run dry, so I need to start doing some more homework. But this one... Uh, I saw that Greta Van Fleet released their album today. Uh, So this one's fresh off the presses, so to speak. Um, The track is called uh, You're the One. It's it's a six-track off their new album, Anthem of the Peaceful Army. Uh, Greta Van Fleet, if nobody has heard of them before, haven't heard of them before, they're very Led Zeppelin-esque. They're very theatrical, and the the vocals are very similar to to Robert Plant. So... um, if you like Led Zeppelin, you probably like these guys. So uh, check it out. When I first heard Highway Tune, I th- I thought Led Zeppelin had released somehow released a new song. I was like, oh, <laughs> is this like is this like from a track that nobody you know is this from an album that got buried and now they're yeah. playing it? I mean, this is they sound uncanny, uncanny to uh, Led Zeppelin. They even dress like them, and they're from a small town in Michigan. So I I, I, I they're really good. If you haven't heard them before. Uh, like John said, check them out. All right, League Sync. Don't forget, we now have a iPhone or iPad app that allows you to set the highest scoring lineup every week and pick up the highest scoring free agents for the week and rest of the season. I downloaded it a couple weeks ago. La- uh, not last night, but two days ago, I swapped out one of whoever I had defensively for Denver, and that oh. worked out pretty well. Um, and that was thanks to not only John's rankings, but, but League Sync, which does a lot of the heavy lifting for you. All you have to do is do a search for 4 for 4 or League Sync in your app store. Existing 444.com Pro and DFS subscribers get full access to the app's features. Everyone else receives a seven-day trial, so make sure you check it out. It's, it, again, it basically it, sets, it, it looks at your lineup. You sync everything with your, with your fantasy lineup, whether it's Yahoo or uh, you know, ESPN. And it says, okay, this is what your lineup is. This is your optimal lineup if you were to make some swaps either on your bench or, or waiver wire. It is really, really helpful. And it's, uh, I wouldn't go as, go as far as say as it won me leagues, but it certainly, or won me weeks, but it certainly has, has helped me big time. So, League Sync, check it out. Let's go over the injury news. I know that on Monday night, a lot of people got burned, John, by, by either sitting Matt Breida and or playing Alfred Morris. And Brita wound up going out there and, and playing well, and Alfred Morris was a ghost. I didn't see it coming. Uh, maybe you saw Raheem Mosert getting some carries. I didn't. But Brita now, ankle and shoulder, he was limited on Wednesday's practice. But at this point, I don't know what, what that means because he was limited all last week and wound up playing well against Green Bay. Yeah, I would expect he would play after being kind of a surprise active last week and playing well. Um, Mostert kind of looks like Brita a little bit. They are similar in terms of stature, so that might be what Shanahan's going for, having interchangeable running backs there. You know, Alfred Morris, I think most uh, fantasy analysts had him ranked fairly high. I think I had him at 20 in standard last week because we weren't sure about uh, Brita 
playing or not playing. And then he came in and had one carry uh, for eight yards. And I think it was called back on a holding penalty or some, or some sort of offensive penalty. So uh, he didn't get much of a chance to get rolling. And I would say it looks like a Breida Mostert backfield now, but then Shanahan said that uh, it's not final that Mostert's ahead of Morris. So um, it's just one of those situations where you don't know who the backup is. I think Breed is the safe, the safest play there, clearly, and I think he'll probably play this weekend. Dalvin Cook officially did not practice on Thursday. He's still dealing with that hamstring injury. I got a really good friend in Chicago that asked me every week, hey, what's the story with Dalvin Cook? Uh, because they have Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray behind him. So I, I just said, you know what, at this point, I don't I don't trust Cook to play. And even if he does, like we saw against the Rams a couple of weeks ago, even when he does play, he could potentially be banged up. And they're just – he's not 100%, John. Do you, do you trust this situation with Cook? Well, he's – he practiced for limited, I think, and then was a did not practice on Thursday. So we'll have to see what he does this week. This is a tricky situation with his hamstring because if they bring him back too early and he re-injures it, he might be out another month or two. They have, the thing that's kind of bugging me a little bit is they have a week ten bye. Uh, so with with Latavius Murray running very well last week against uh, the, the Cardinals, twenty four carries, one hundred fifty five yards, maybe. They feel like they could go another week here against the Jets. Their 20th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. If if Cook doesn't play and, and Murray's in there, you're looking at low-end RB2 numbers, I think. They're, they're a tougher matchup than Arizona, but not a tough matchup relative to the league. Um, and then they have New Orleans in Week 8 and Detroit in week, in week 9. Both games are at home. One wonders if they're starting to think, well, maybe we just shut down Cook until Week 11 and make sure he's 100% ready to go for the stretch run because I'm sure they have playoff aspirations there in Minnesota. So we'll see. I, you know, If he's active and playing Week 7, I think you're looking at a very untrustworthy situation between both these players, Cook and Murray. You'd think that Murray would have earned more of a role uh, given his good play last week, and, and maybe Cook is seeing you know 10 carries, 12 carries, instead of the you know 15 to 20 that they'd like to get him. Isaiah Crowell did not practice on Thursday. He's dealing with a foot injury, but apparently he was spotted at practice on Friday. What do you make of Crowell's injury situation? Well, they have the the Vikings. So the Vikings defense is fifth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. They don't play as well on the road as they have at home. This game is on the road for the Vikings. So there is some upside here potentially for Crowell or Bilal Powell if they are getting – Big touches. Crowell has seen a pretty good workload uh, this year. I mean, he's you know ten carries, twelve carries, sixteen carries, and he had a four carry game against Jacksonville, but it was just kind of a weird game against Jacksonville. Fifteen carries and then thirteen carries, so double digit carries uh, five of the last six weeks. Gets a couple catches. Uh, he seems to have a huge game every other week, so that would put him on track to have a huge game this week. But I don't think there's <laughs> much. Uh, you know, math behind that. Uh, it's probably just <laughs> luck. Uh, so just keep an eye on it today. And then I think, you know, he was, uh, I believe, limited on Friday of last week and then did play. So if he's, it just looks like the same track if he ends up getting a limited uh, practice and a questionable tag for, for Sunday. 
You only get that hard-hitting analysis uh, right here on 44.com's The Most Accurate Podcast in terms of every play, play Isaiah Crowell every other week. But you're right. You've been right. Let's talk about the, the two running backs in Detroit. Theo Riddick did not practice on Thursday. He's dealing with a knee injury. But Carrion Johnson, the rookie who has an ankle injury, is, is participating in full for Week 7 against the Dolphins. Talk to us about the matchup here. Well, I think if if Riddick is out, it, it's a big boost to, to Carrion Johnson because – the, you know he's going to be the one that gets most of those targets. Riddick is averaging 4.6 targets per game. Um, Legarrette Blunt is not a much of a pass catcher. You know I doubt they dust off Amir Abdullah for that role. Uh, so I would think that they would just use Johnson more, and that would get him into the the high end RB two conversation. I think uh, against Miami. The, Chris Thompson owners are kind of in a tough spot. He was he practiced all week last week and then he sat out against the Panthers. So you got to kind of pay attention Sunday to to see who's inactive and who's not, obviously. But he did practice again on Thursday. He's dealing with those ribs injury. Do you feel as though that unlike last week when he sat against Carolina, that he will suit up against Dallas? Well, it sounds like he was fairly close last week, so I would assume that he's back this week. I do have him in the rankings. The the problem here is it's a four o'clock kickoff. And if he's like a true true question mark or too questionable game time decision uh, for Sunday, that puts owners in kind of a bind. Capri Bibbs didn't do anything, so it's, you can't really do a, anything last week. So you can't do a, like a plug and play with him. Uh, so hopefully we get an Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport tweet on Saturday night that Chris Thompson's expected to play this week, and, and hopefully with the extra week off, he's he's ready to go because uh, you know coming out of the gates this season, six catches in week one, thirteen catches in week two, you know there's six catches. In week five, uh, you know, he's got three pretty good, two really good PPR games, one pretty good PPR game and one bad game against the, the Packers. And, you know, this one is not shaping up to be, you know, too tough against the, the Cowboys. They're, they're probably not going to run the ball super well against uh, the Cowboys with Sean Lee back. Uh, but uh, he, he could definitely catch some passes out of the backfield given how decimated that receiving core is. Let's transition to wide receivers now. We'll start with the Jets. Quincy Inunua. In- Inunua is officially out. Todd-, Todd Bowles already ruled him out, so we don't have to really spend t- too much time talking about him. But Robbie Anderson returned to practice on Thursday. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. Terrell Pryor remained sidelined on Thursday. Didn't sound like he practiced today, being and today being Friday. So Robbie Anderson and Jermaine Curse. You, obviously, like Robbie Anderson, talk to us a little about Jermaine Curse as well. Yeah, I, I do like Robbie Anderson. I don't know about this week as much because he's probably going to get shadowed by you know Xavier Rhodes. Um, I think Anderson has the speed to beat Rhodes, though. He sort of, uh, I mean, Rhodes had some tr- problems with Brandon Cooks when they played a couple weeks ago, and I think Anderson could present the same sort of problems um, is, with his size as well. Uh, so, um, Curse in the slot, I think, is your Inunua replacement. No, I think Inunua was better than Curse, but he did have. Uh, nine catches, 94 yards on 10 targets last week. He played 83% of the snaps. Anderson had three for 39 and five targets, 75% of the snaps. And then Pryor was the one that sort of jumped up in snap percentage. I think he had over 65% of the snaps, and he had five for 57 and a touchdown on six snaps, or six targets. So um, if Pryor is also out, I think both Curse and Anderson are worth a play, and um, I think Curse is probably the better play in PPR formats given uh, his role in the slot and then avoiding Xavier Rhodes. Ted, Gwynn, Ted Ginn was placed on injured reserve this week. So how does that impact the rest of the wide receiver course for New Orleans? We know that Michael Thomas is a built-in wide receiver one every week, but Traquan Smith had a, had a really nice game against the Redskins last week. Only caught three passes, but he made the most of them. And then Cameron Meredith is also there. I When I was doing my profiles for the Saints this week, 
And when I got to the receivers, I noticed that uh, you didn't have Smith or Meredith particularly high. Is that just a matchup thing? Do you, do you fear uh, a matchup problem with Baltimore? Uh, if so, talk to us also about the rest of the season now with this wide receiver core without Ted Ginn. Yeah, it's a tough matchup against the Ravens. They're really uh, strong defensively in the secondary. But I think with, with Ginn out, we, we had a preview of what's going to happen given what happened in week five. Uh, as you mentioned, Smith had the great game, three for 111, I think, and two touchdowns, three targets, which is not a huge volume, but he definitely made the most of the work that he got. And his snap percentage jumped from like 37%, 33%, 37% to 67% of the snap. So he basically took over that Ginn role. And then Meredith did see an uptick in targets. I think he had a season-high five. Five catches for 71 yards. Uh, he played 46% of the snaps, and he had been playing 31 to 43% of the snaps in the previous two games. So his role jumped a little bit, uh, but it, his usage definitely increased. His snaps didn't increase that much. The snaps really mostly went to Traquan Smith. And you have to think that with the way that Smith played, that he's earned himself even a bigger role and, and should be in there on most of the two wide receiver sets. I don't know that he's going to go nuts Again, this week, uh, the the Ravens have a good group of uh, cornerbacks and a good secondary, so it's going to be a little bit tough going. But I think moving forward, you know, Smith and Meredith should both uh, be owned in most leagues. I think Mer- Meredith might be a safer floor in terms of PPR leagues, but Smith's going to have that uh, long catch upside. So T.Y. Hilton was downgraded to limited in Thursday's practice. However, it sounds like he's, he will play on Thursday, at least – that's the the sediment that Hilton owner Hilton himself has, and then also the media. The media media seems pretty positive on Hilton playing. Uh, do you feel confident that Hilton's going to play? Yeah, I think he meant sentiment instead of sediment. I'm, I'm, yeah, thank you. <laughs> not, otherwise, I'm not talking I'm about soil. <laughs> Otherwise, I have to, if I if I don't correct you now, I'm going to get tweets about how we no, sediment, not sediment. Yeah, thank uh, you for that. Uh, the, obviously, I don't mean soil. The Twitter grammar police are on patrol every mm-hmm. every day, 365. <laughs> They're always there. Anyway, uh, yes, Hilton. So owners who have Hilton are, I'm sure, very anxious to use him. I think I have him at 20 right now in standard formats. Uh, when fully healthy with Andrew Luck, he's a top 12 receiver. Uh, so, you know, there's a little bit of downgrade there coming off of the injury. In his last nine home games with Andrew Luck in lineup, he has averaged six catches for 101 yards, 0.56 touchdowns per game. So that's, those are really strong numbers. I would feel pretty good about running him out there as a wide receiver too. Uh, I, You know, there, there, there's a, good, a decent chance that he doesn't have a very good game, not only because he's coming off of the injury and maybe a little bit rusty and the you know, the timing's off with with luck, but um, he's also going to be shadowed by the Bills' uh, Tredavious White, who has played pretty well this year. The only team that's really gone after White was the Packers with uh, Devontae Adams, and he had a nice game against him, but most uh, mostly he's been a, kind of a shutdown corner there for the Bills, so that's a little bit of a concern uh, for Hilton along with coming off the injury. Uh, let me take this a step forward. Uh, sediment, John, is a naturally occurring material that is broken down by the process of weathering and erosion. Uh, that's not necessarily soil either. So let me <laughs> let me further correct myself while we're taking the time to do so. Uh, Cooper Cup. Let's talk about him. He's he's officially out for that matchup against the 49ers. What do you think about Josh Reynolds? He he had a hand injury, but he was upgraded to full in Thursday's practice. So sounds like he's going to play. Is he worth a pickup? I think he'll play quite a bit. I- you know, in DFS standpoint, I think he'll be cheap and worth it, and maybe a, a tournament type 
situation. But I was I was talking with TJ Hernandez, our DFS uh, uh, director of DFS over there at four four four, and uh, we were kind of on the same page with how they're going to treat Reynolds. Uh, they, they might sacrifice him, so to speak, and just run him opposite Richard Sherman, who really doesn't stray too much from his um, his uh, position on the left side. Right? He's on. The, I think he's on the left side. Uh, so, you know that that might mean a very quiet game for for Reynolds as they just he just runs routes against Sherman and, and Jared Goff doesn't really throw it to him. Uh, with Robert Woods kicking to the slot, um, Cooks on the other side. I think Woods and um, and Cooks are really strong plays this week. I, I have both ranked as wide receiver ones. Um, I have to look at that a little bit more closely they might move down a tiny bit but i i actually feel really good about both players uh given the situation with cup out uh, there's quite a few targets uh, available and i don't think they're all going to go to reynolds i think he ends up getting uh you know four or five maybe against sherman and then the rest go to woods and to cooks uh calvin ridley and muhammad sanu they both were held out of practice on thursday so here's the dilemma here uh, the falcons don't play until monday night they are at home, so typically their offense uh, is is certainly explosive overall, but mo- mostly at home. Calvin Ridley has six touchdowns already on the year. Muhammad Sanu, I believe, has either three touchdowns. I think he has three touchdowns in his last four games, including last week. But are you playing these guys anyways? I mean, let, let's say that they're you know Sanu's got a hip injury. Ridley has an ankle. Are you avoiding them uh, even even with the injuries? I think it's kind of hard to avoid them this week with four. Teams on by, they have a pretty nice matchup against the Giants. The offense is really rolling. Uh, Sanu's playing great. Ridley's playing pretty well and has that multi-touchdown upside. Uh, Eli Apple is probably going to be his matchup, while Sanu is matched up with B.W. Webb, uh, who's actually playing the best of the Giants cornerbacks, but um, that's not saying a whole lot. I think this is actually the weekend that Julio Jones finds the end zone. I, <laughs> I, that's my guess against Janoris Jenkins. We'll see. Um yeah, I would like to see what they do on Friday. I think they're both expected to pl- to play. Uh, hopefully, or we should actually know more on Saturday because they play on Monday night and have that extra day of practice and extra day of rest to get healthy. But I think they're both expected to play. I said that Julio would catch three touchdowns last week against Tampa. Um, I'll just keep rolling <laughs> that over because you know he just won't. He won't just catch one. It'll like be two he, or three. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. When he the next time he reaches the end zone, he's going to find it about nine times. Uh, Allen Robinson is he was downgraded to did not did not practice on Thursday. He's dealing with a groin injury. Matt Nagy is head coach at I think he felt it a little bit in the game, but nothing too crazy. And then over in practice, we're just trying to be cautious. That's all. Do you feel confident that he faces the Bears? Or I'm sorry, faces the Patriots. It's a little bit worrisome uh, that the midweek downgrade, but they might have been just giving them the, the day off. Uh, as you mentioned, Nagy's comments didn't sound too alarmist, uh, but we're going to have to see what he does today and what they what they say about him on Saturday. Again, this will probably be a uh, Schefter and or Rappaport t- tweet uh, about whether or not they're expected to play on Sunday. All right, let's talk about Thursday Night Football. Uh, why? I guess because we have to. That, that was an awful game last night. Mike McCoy, right before the podcast, I saw that. He was fired, and and I hate saying this because I certainly don't want anybody to, um, you know, lose their jobs and and all of that. He, I thought his performance last night in calling that game was awful. Him and Steve Wilkes, the head coach, why they had Josh Rosen playing in that game down forty five to ten late in the fourth quarter. 
is beyond me. Josh Rosen wound up hurting either his foot or his ankle or something uh, when he got rolled up by a defender. It was clear that the Broncos were – they smelled blood in the water and they kept a lot of their defensive starters out there to rack up uh, statistics. I mean, it was just a truly awful night for the Arizona Cardinals. But the Broncos did look impressive and they looked good right off the bat. The defense was great. They had a bunch of sacks, had a bunch of – had two touchdowns. Uh, including, again, right off the bat there. Emmanuel Sanders caught six of seven targets, 102 yards and a touchdown. Philip Lindsay was very good again, 14 rushes, 90 yards and a touchdown. Case Keenum had a decent bounce back, although they didn't need him too much uh, to do too much. Uh, Thomas caught f- five of six passes for 42 yards. Talk to us about the Broncos. What, what were your observations there? Yeah, the Royce Freeman injury is the thing that I'm watching now because if he's out for a while, you're looking at RB1 numbers from Philip Lindsay, which makes me very happy because we picked him up in uh, our, I have a co-owner in my FFPC league. We spent quite a bit of money on him and he's been a very good investment. I don't know, it was week one or two that we picked him up. And if Freeman is out, you're probably looking at 17 to 20 touches for for Lindsay and uh, you know, Devontae Booker was actually phased out of the offense this week. He had one catch for negative one yards, did not have a carry, uh, which is good news for both Lindsey and Freeman. And we'll see what sort of injury this is for Freeman. He really should have done better than he did against the Cardinals. The Cardinals have been terrible against the run. He 13 carries for 37 yards, got the touchdown. And when I saw that happen, I was like, oh, it's going to be like a multi-touchdown day for Freeman. Then I saw my boy Lindsey just racking up yards and get the 28-yard touchdown and uh, put a smile on my face. But I didn't watch the game, uh, to be completely honest. And maybe listeners out there want fantasy owners or uh, fantasy analysts that uh, watch every game religiously. But uh, I, I prefer to go to my son's soccer practice and watch him develop I watched, his soccer play. I watched it for you. Outside Thank of you. Josh Josh Rosen getting the beating of his of his life, you didn't really miss, miss much. I mean, <laughs> well, that, that Broncos defense scored the two touchdowns early. I knew, uh, you know. Rest in peace to anybody who played or playing against them this week, the, the Broncos defense, because it's going to be a tough uh, road to hoe to get back at, uh, into the game against them when, when they rack up uh, you know 14 points or 60 or 12 points and in two plays like that on the on the on the interception returns. Yeah, I'm looking at the. I mentioned I picked up Denver and via the uh, League Sync app that we we promote, and um, I am now up 32 to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Denver scored 32 points last night. Yep, six so. oh, six sacks. I just saw that. Uh, the two picks and two touchdowns. That's that's quite the defensive day for the Broncos. Yeah, I can't glow too much. I did. I as regular listeners know, and if you follow me on Twitter, I do uh, picks against the spread for four four dot com. And uh, I I went with the Cardinals last night, and I I realized very quickly that that was going to go off the rails. So can't glow too much. All right, let's speak. Let's talk about the Cardinals. They promoted Byron Leftwich, yes, that Byron Leftwich, to offensive coordinator. He was the quarterback's coach there. Mike McCoy was fired. Really, I don't I don't know how Byron what, what Byron Leftwich's game plans are gonna be or how he's gonna be as a play caller. All I know is if he doesn't run David Johnson right up the middle forty two times, he's gonna be an upgrade over Mike McCoy, John. Yeah, I think I mean at any point let me start over. At any, <laughs> in any event, it's going to be an upgrade for Johnson because of the way he's being used, and hopefully, we're getting the ball to him in in the more space. And you know, only three targets yesterday, uh, despite trailing the entire game, is just inexcusable. He's you know, along with Larry Fitzgerald, you know, best receiver on the team, so they need to get him the ball uh, in the passing game more than what they did. So I think you know, owners of David Johnson should be. Uh, happy for that change at uh, offensive coordinator. 
All right, let's tell you about the 4 for 4 subscriptions. 4 for 4, cut the prices for our rest of the season subscriptions. You can get a classic subscription for $19. You can get a pro sub for $39. And our DFS subscription is just $79, again, for the rest of the season. Plus, if you use the code TMAP, you can get an additional 10% off. So use that code TMAP, the most accurate podcast, TMAP. Get additional 10% off of all of those subscriptions that I just mentioned, that's in addition to the price cut that we already have for the rest of the year. Sneaky starts time. This one's interesting. You've got Aaron Rodgers, Big Ben, and Russell Wilson all on by this week. Who are some good quarterback uh, streaming options in your eyes? Yeah, there are like several guys that I want to talk about. I like them. I don't love any of them, but they all you could make a case for all these guys. Joe Flacco against the, the Saints at home. They're 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterback. So Flacco, you know, he had... A really good start to the season and then has kind of quieted down and the Ravens are always a, a threat to you know have two or three rushing touchdowns and not really throw the ball but this one should be uh should be a high scoring game we'll see if the Saints offense shows up against the Ravens uh Trubisky against uh the, the Patriots at home the Patriots are 18th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks um he he being Trubisky, 354 yards, six touchdowns against the Bucks, three, 316 yards, and three touchdowns against the Dolphins. Suddenly he's able to throw touchdowns. Um, we'll see if Allen Robinson is in or out. If he's out, then I'm probably moving Trubisky down a little bit because that's obviously a big weapon for him that he would lose. Uh, Baker Mayfield uh, against the Bucks, 32nd and adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. I was expecting more out of Mayfield the last couple weeks um, in better mat in pretty good matchups, but uh, this one is about as good as it gets. So I think this will be a, a high scoring game with uh, shootout potential. Um, Blake Bortles coming off of a bad game against a pretty stingy Dallas defense. The Dallas offense also plays really slow, so there's fewer plays typically for the opposing quarterback. Uh, I think he bounces back against Houston. Uh, they're 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Uh, before the Cowboys game, Bortles was the number 12 fantasy quarterback. It's not always pretty with him, but uh, he's a threat to get you 20 or 30 yards rushing and maybe a rushing touchdown if things aren't going well in the passing game, but things should go fairly well in the passing game against the Texans. Uh, C.J. Beathard, I was impressed by him against the Packers, and I know the Packers' defense isn't very good, but uh, you know he's not afraid to shoot, uh, take shots deep uh, with Mar- Marquise Goodwin back. Uh, he's got a pr- nice deep ball that he can throw to him. Uh, the Rams are struggling at cornerback with the keep to leave out. Uh, so they're giving up a lot of points uh, to receivers. Marcus Peters is struggling as well. They're 20th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. You know the Rams are going to score on the 49ers. So uh, this one has a high score, uh, high shootout potential as well. Um, Beathard also runs the ball a little bit, so he's decent. And then finally, the <laughs> Eli Manning. I'm going to list him again because he's playing your Falcons, <laughs> and your Falcons are giving up passing yards like by the handful. Mm-hmm. Um, they're 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Manning should have done better against the Eagles last week, but he's he's got some weird um, home way splits going now. In his last five road games with Odell Beckham in the lineup, he's averaging 311 yards and two touchdowns per game. Uh, if we go to back to 2016, those averages fall to 257, a touchdown and a half uh, in 13 games for Eli Manning. But against this Falcons defense uh, in what should be a high-scoring game, he should – uh, be able to produce uh, high-end QB2 numbers. Yeah, they're they're awful. There's no way to 
no way to you know phrase it. I mean, they're just too banged up. All right, a couple of running backs that that you like. You have Peyton Barber for Tampa Bay, and and he was somebody that had a nice game last week. And Ido Smith, the now backup running back for the Falcons, who I believe has scored in the last three weeks. Yeah, and Peyton Barber had a really nice game against the Falcons. You forgot to mention. Forgot to mention. <laughs> everybody's that. That was, had a good. Everybody's had a good game against the Falcons. Yeah, that was one of the bigger surprises. Not that he had a good game, but that he was still the lead back for the Bucks. I mean, he was dreadful uh, first four or five weeks there for the Buccaneers. I mean, he had a lot of bad matchups though. Uh, the, the the Saints are fourth in just fantasy points allowed to running backs. Philly's good against the run. Pittsburgh's third. Uh, and the Bears are eighth, and then he came off the bye against the Falcons, who were 31st, and had a great game. So they stuck with him, uh, and it appears that they will continue to stick with him, and, and the, the Browns can uh, be had on the ground a little bit. They're 19th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to, to running backs. So, I mean, Barber was on a lot of waiver wires this uh, last week, and uh, picking him up and, and starting him is certainly a reasonable option this week. He's a low-end RB2 in my rankings. Oh, and Edo um, Smith. Yeah, Let me talk Smith. about Edo Smith as well. Yeah. Uh, there is a varying, there's a varying opinion on how involved Smith will be relative to Tevin Coleman. The last game that they played, Smith had uh, 13 touches. He only rushed, I mean, he rushed the ball 11 times for only 22 yards. So that's not really very effective. He's 3.2 yards per carry on the season, uh, but he did have 13 touches. Tevin Coleman had 11 touches in that game. Uh, Tevin Coleman is not exactly lighting it up either. 3.7 yards per carry uh smith seems to be getting the rushing touchdowns while coleman's getting the uh receiving touchdowns i think coleman's a better play still but Edo smith's certainly gonna be involved and we'll see if he's in that in that range where he's seeing 10 to 15 touches per game uh that makes him a weekly rb3 flex start or maybe an rb2 depending on the matchup uh coleman i think is a rb2 uh, I think he's. I still think he's better than Smith, but we'll we'll have to see how they divvy up this backfield. If you if you're looking over the course of the last month, the the backfield has shifted towards Edo Smith uh, a little bit, but I think Coleman's still the lead back there. And for what it's worth, Tevin Coleman's a free agent, and I think they they drafted Edo Smith in the middle rounds this past April as kind of this Tevin Coleman replacement because the the long term finan- financial uh, investment is to Devontae Freeman still. So I think. Ito Smith, in other words, they're going to get him in the mix, not only throughout the course of the year, but to do so to get ready for next year as well when uh, presumably Tevin Coleman's with another team. All right, a couple wide receivers that you like, sneaky starts-wise. Yeah, I have a couple of uh, guys that are ranked probably in the 40s in, in standard, but in PPR probably a little bit higher. Kiki QT from the Texans, I think he has the best matchup uh, against Jacksonville uh, receiving cor- uh, cornerbacks, the the Tyler Patman, the, the slot corner there is is not as good as Jalen Ramsey or AJ Bouye. So I think I think he's got the best matchup there. QT and he's been seeing uh an increase in, in targets over the last few weeks there once he's kind of taken down that slot role for them. And then I also I like uh, Willie Sneed uh for a couple of reasons. The Saints are thirty second and adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Uh so it's a great matchup, the best you can get really. The old Team theorem is there. Hashtag old team theorem. He's playing against his old team. Give a little extra. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be in Joe Flacco's year trying to get a, a red zone target against the Saints since the Saints cut him. And there's usually bad blood when somebody gets cut. They want to stick it to their old team and prove that they deserve to be still on the team um, and all that. So I think uh, Snead will actually play, play pretty well this week. He's uh, broken 10.4 
PPR fantasy points, five out of six games. So he's a pretty good floor play if you need a, a spot start this week. All right, how about tight ends? Yeah, David Njoku, he's not really a sneaky start, but I just wanted to mention him since the uh, the breakout's happening, I think. He has had a few good games here in a row. I think he's seen 30 targets over his last two or three games, uh, which is uh, pretty impressive for a tight end. Uh, five for 52, six for 69, and seven for, seven, uh, seven for 55 and a touchdown in his last three games. Uh, Antonio Callaway is not really happening. I think he's actually kind of a sneaky start too, just from a standpoint that he's going to be playing a lot in a great matchup against the Bucks. But Njoku seems to be turning into uh, Baker Mayfield's number two target there, uh, maybe even number one target compared to Jarvis Landry, who isn't producing like we kind of thought he would. So Njoku's a great start this week, bottom line. The other guy I like is Vernon Davis. I mean, given all these injuries to the uh, Washington receiving core, uh, Davis should see a little extra work. I mean, he had three catches for 48 yards and a touchdown on three targets in week six. He had three targets in week five. It's really not enough uh, volume to kind of, you know, put your hang your hat on, I guess is the phrase. But he's playing 51% of the, the snaps. And with Paul Richardson, Gimpy, uh, Jamison Crowder, Gimpy, Josh Dotson, just not productive. I mean, he's, Alex Smith is going to have to complete passes to someone. It's probably going to be Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis, Chris Thompson, those types of players uh, this week. So I think Vernon Davis in a, in a tough week or a tough position uh, is a decent streaming option this week. All right. Love it. John, good work as always. You can follow John on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalzer. We'll be back on Monday for that edition. We'll, we'll kind of recap the week seven happenings, talk about injuries, fantasy quick hitters, uh, maybe some waiver wire pickups and all that. So hopefully you'll join us then. Until then, we'll see you next time on the Most Accurate Podcast.